Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of Granite Town Media's Inside Milford. My name is Tim Fine, and I'll be your host for today's episode. We are very fortunate to have two guests for this episode, School Board Chairman Mike Hannon and School District Superintendent Jessica Heisinger have agreed to sit down with us and discuss the school's response to the COVID-19 situation. Due to the obvious social distancing requirements, we are conducting this interview remotely. It looks like all three of us are home. We're also on Zoom so that we can see each other speak. And since this situation appears to be changing daily, I want to state at the outset that we are recording this episode on Tuesday morning, April 7th, because everything will probably be different on April 8th. So, <laughs> Thanks, Mike and Dr. Heisinger. I appreciate you joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, no problem at all. So can we just start off? Um, actually, I'll start. Actually, let's start with you, Mike. I just want to first congratulations on being school board chair. That's exciting. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. <laughs> I did watch your 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 episode. I watched your episode. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it was an episode. <laughs> I did watch your school board meeting uh, last night, and, and I think I did stop after about an hour and a half, maybe or so. But um, I think it went well. I think I think the whole Zoom thing actually worked out more than you know. Secretly, I didn't think I thought there'd be more problems, but there, it seemed to go well. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it really did. And I think it, you know, it's, it's a testament to the you know, entire board and the uh, school staff and, uh, you know, the superintendent, you know, uh, of being prepared for the meetings and, you know, getting the content, you know, the big difference obviously last night was getting it on zoom and, and really getting it to a platform in which we can include, you know, the public, so we can make sure we get the public, um, and, you know, and buy and abide by, you know, you know, state laws that, uh, that cover the right to know, uh, laws. Um, you know, so that was very, you know, tricky to manage it. And just like anything else that's going on right now with the crisis, um, you know, it's a really a day to day, you know, so, uh, you know, for me and, you know, that, you know, playing a small part, you know, a small role in the, in the meeting, uh, was just kind of keeping up for day to day and really, you know, uh, making sure that we had a plan up to including an exit plan uh, in case we couldn't uh, stay with the right to know laws in for the public. Uh, but just like you were saying in the platform that we're using for this, you know, with Zoom, um, you know, a couple of the hiccups were uh, making, you know, as you know, there's different levels of uh, platforms from the pro and you know i'm trying to you know learn just like everybody else you know really what was zoom is we we're just before coming out we're talking about a tv show and i'm still with cbs nbc and abc you know i haven't gotten quite to the netflix uh level of uh, professionalism of viewing but uh um working through that and i do you know i do apologize uh, you know to you know you know our citizens for you know some of the codes that they couldn't get in there was no uh you know, because there was a couple times it had to change, you know, because I went to the pro level, just making sure we had be able people to be able to call in. We had the video. Uh, Chris Gentry was, you know, great enough about uh, getting, you know, Granite Town Media on. Um, and uh, we also had a, the, the Facebook uh, uh, live through the SA40 uh, connection group. So, I mean, it really was. A collaborative effort, you know, not just through the school board, uh, but everybody that's connected with us and has partnered with us. So uh, I really do want to thank you, and I apologize for that long piece, but there was a lot to it. 
No, that that's perfectly fine. And I noticed at one point it looked like there was sixty or so people on the meeting, so that was cool. Yeah, it stayed it stayed steady at sixty, and that was another thing I had to view is keep up on. And I know uh, uh, our our school board members worked together so to make sure I was getting people in. Uh, and we were just talking about muting uh, people and things like that. So we're still learning, and I think next meeting we have on Monday. Um, it'll be even better. I'll put the, uh, the invite out by the end of the day today. Um, and I do recommend everybody, you know, uh, uh, if it's going to be the first time that they do join the meeting, the zoom is to practice, you know, getting on, make sure you can get on, uh, prior to the start of the meeting. Cause it, you could imagine how many emails and texts I were, I was getting just five minutes before the meeting. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Although I got to believe at this point, half the half the country has been on Zoom a dozen times now. But I was the other half, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. So cool. So you mentioned the right to know law. So I'm, I'm generally I'm generally interested in this on how this whole thing um, transpired uh, because the timing was so interesting. So the election was on March 10th. So you two new school board members were were elected on March 10th. Then I believe, if if I get this date wrong, I'm sure Jessica would know. I I think it was the 15th when the first executive order came in to uh, close the schools. Was that the 15th? Do you know, Jessica, was that the 15th? I think so. Yeah. Let me look at the calendar real quick. Yeah. All time has now begun to mesh. (laughs) Exactly. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's Sunday, right? Right. Yeah, no, um, we, we, we kind of got a heads up. It was Sunday the 15th. Um, we, we sort of had a heads up the 13th from the commissioner. He kind of hinted at it, and uh, we had a commissioner's call. Um, we were working through that entire weekend, the entire leadership team, because we had kind of gotten the indication that it was coming. And then on the 15th at noon, the commissioner had a call, and he basically said a major announcement was coming, and then I knew. So it was the 15th in the afternoon that the governor. Okay. So, so Mike, so how did the school board handle that considering you're in, in a transition there? And I'm thinking of the right to know law. So did this, and if, if you can't answer any of these questions, I understand completely. So did the, when were the new members sworn in? So uh, Mr. Carvel, who was the, uh, was the chair at the time, did an excellent job of uh, uh, setting up the meeting uh, you know, to so we can meet with the you know with the staff. You know, as far as a go-to plan, and uh, so that was you know you know logistically, at, you know, Mr. Carvel set that up, uh, got you know got the room, you know, to meet with the staff. Um, you so know, this was a few days a few days after the election. No, we're talking we're talking hours. Uh, oh, hours. hours. So he did a wonderful job getting a whole team and working with the superintendent getting her staff together in a short period of time, um, you know, to make it work out. And uh, so between the superintendent, Mr. Carvel, they did a wonderful job getting everybody together. So these were probably non-public meetings, I'm guessing. Well, you have to go into public uh, before you go into a non-public and that's part of the right to know law. And I think that's uh, where you're alluding to. So that is a, uh, um, you always have to go into the public in which we had a lot of staff but um, the governor, um, you know, it, it changed quite a few laws. And really at that point, and this is what I kind of give Mr. Carvel and the superintendent a lot of credit for, even at that time, we still had to manage to the presence 
uh, right to know laws uh, to get mm -hmm. to non-public. So uh, uh, it is it is it's scary because you know you, you could be put under a lot of scrutiny uh, with the laws and everything else. So you know again my you know caps off. So yeah, it, it's just a, a really interesting process on how this you know it, it couldn't have happened at a more bizarre time yeah. with the election. Yeah, but and, to answer your other question, uh, just prior to uh, going into non-public, uh, Mr. Carvel uh, uh, swore in those uh, uh, the new members, uh, uh, Ms. Mrs. Judy Zeno and uh, Joseph uh, Vitulli. Okay, cool. So yeah, no, I wasn't suggesting at all that anything was done inappropriately. I'm just curious. Oh no, 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 no. It's it's yeah. it, it may sound yeah. it, but it's it's a great question because there's uh, you know we still get confused about it. We have to still, you know, review it, you know, it, and it's, uh, you know, just how you get into it, how you get out to get out of a meeting and it all has to be documented very well yep. also. So it's, it's a great question and it's something that, you know, we continue to build on. So. Yeah. Cause there was a lot of issues on the town side, you know, cause apparently you only have 30 days to swear in officers, not op swear in people that get elected. Yeah. And uh, so there was a lot of concern because town hall was closed really so nobody was coming in to get sworn in and, and uh, yeah. an interesting situation um okay so let's let's jump over to you uh dr Hizenga. so you had said that you were you were given a heads up so like when did you because we knew this was something was happening back i mean it was in the news since very early january i guess yeah so, so did you begin to think i don't know if this is something that administrators train for this kind <laughs> no, of stuff probably not, not. This stuff. But, but when did you start saying, hmm, you know what, this, we have to really pay attention to this? Um, it was over February break. And um, the Saturday at the end of February break, um, I just happened to wake up at about midnight and I checked my email, bad thing to do. And I had received an email from a choir group, uh, the Monadnock Choir Group that had gone to Italy. And uh, they just sent a message to me and other superintendents just saying, hey, just a heads up, you know, we had a student of yours attend uh, this tour of Italy over the break, and uh, there's been a massive COVID outbreak in Italy. And so uh, the very next day, I called a meeting with all of the town, you know, leaders, the town manager, the board of selectmen, uh, the head of the board of selectmen, uh, the health, the chief, fire chief, uh, the school board chairman, and we really just sat down to try to assess where we were, you know, having one student, having been to Italy, um, and what we should start doing to plan in conjunction at the same time. Uh, there was a massive outbreak of COVID because of a Biogen um, conference here in Boston. And I live in Massachusetts, and so Massachusetts has been about a week and a half to two weeks ahead of New Hampshire. And so my schools closed down here. My, my kid was out of school. And so as things started to progress here, I was watching the response you know, of the schools and they have been very slow getting any remote learning up. In fact, they really have had nothing at all. Um, and I knew very quickly you know, from that point after meeting with our town leaders, there, at that point there still wasn't the, the heightened like, okay, we need to start accelerating plans. It was about mm -hmm. another week. Um, before I said to the leadership team, we need to start having regular meetings and preparing just in case. And then mm -hmm. the commissioner of education started having weekly uh, conference calls with all of us. 
And just some of the things he was saying kind of intimated that, you know, we were heading down, down a different path and uh, we really started to hunker down and started having like four or five hour meetings as a leadership team uh, preparing to develop a remote learning plan, uh, which uh, incredibly when the time came, uh, just having had that last weekend big push, we were able to roll it out quick, more quickly and at higher quality than um, most other districts across the state of New Hampshire. So I'm really, really proud of our staff. So it sounds like it was like a two week period almost that you had to plan for this. Yeah. Must be. Um, and then, you know, the the real push for it, you know, in terms of details. So it's one thing to sort of have sort of a global idea um, and not really know what's coming. And like I said last night, I think, you know, initially we were prepared for the sprint. It was supposed to be two weeks. Let's quarantine. Let's shut this thing down. Um, but now it's sort of the the monitoring and adjusting for more of a marathon. We still have a good, you know, two months left in the school year uh, and trying to think through how do we sustain this type of remote learning model uh, when it's something you've never done. So um, it's it's been a real balance of short-term versus long-term planning. And um, the real mastery in this has been the leadership hunkering down to the nitty gritty aspects of the remote learning plan. You know, when you come to, how do we support the implementation of remote instruction? How do we ensure equitable access to remote learning? We have a lot of families who didn't have Wi-Fi, families who didn't have the tools to um, access technology, uh, food service delivery, and our, our free and reduced lunch students, uh, access to social and emotional supports, right? Um, that was That has been huge. And then how do we implement best practices, which we're still having conversations about, um, at the board level when it comes to grading. Uh, we've had to make adjustments for special education and we've had to take a multi-prong approach with special ed because uh, they're required by law. And so how do you do that when you can't interact with a, a child in person? Um, and then what happens if you can't deliver it remotely? You have to look at compensatory services. And so that's something that we're going to continue to, to work at. Uh, how do you take attendance in a remote environment? Uh, that has been a big question, right? Uh, what are the learning expectations? What are the teaching expectations? We created a standardized school day, 8 to 2.30 for all schools. Um, you know, what's the communication expectations, right, and supports uh, for students and for families, uh, especially when you've got a lot of differentiated uh, and varying levels? Uh, what are the schedules and routines? That's one thing we really push with families. Set schedules and routines out of the gate with your kids. And families, that uh, most of them have done that. We got really great feedback from families in our, in our parent survey. And, uh, you know, how do we support them in this process and how do we create resource access? And so you can see on our website, we have remote learning uh, tabs uh, for families. They can go in, they can see morning meeting videos from principals, uh, announcements throughout the week. Uh, we've been able to really highlight a lot of the remote learning that's been going on across the district. So it's been uh, an incredible undertaking. Um, you know, we introduced Zoom for the first time to our staff, all kinds of new tools. Teachers are actually doing professional development in addition to all of this uh, to build their skills and capacities because some teachers had never used Google Classroom. Some teachers had never used uh, tools like Flipgrid and um, uh, Zoom and other different multimedia tools. So there's been a lot of uh, training that's been going on through the state through demonstrated success and webinars. Um, and we've been pushing that out to staff. So it's been really, really busy, I will say. 
Yeah. Well, that's great. No, you 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 touched on a whole bunch of points that I wanted to ask about, and I still will. But um, <laughs> no, no, that's great. But Mike, um, I'm really curious, especially seeing as everything that uh, Jessica just said. To what extent is the school? I mean, obviously, the school board is the big picture. Uh, you know, they're they're the board of directors, and the and the superintendent is the CEO. So and so, you would expect the administration to do the day to day on the ground stuff, but. How much should the school board be involved in, in in a lot of the stuff that Jessica just said? That you know the specifics about you know what goes in the blizzard bags and what and what should you step back and just let them run with? Well, you know, quite honestly, you know, in conversation, you know, because now we're transitioning, uh, you know, to a new school board, you know, team, uh, new chair, new vice chair. Um, and you know, the one of the biggest, you know, conversations in the get-go that the superintendent and I had was, you know, I'm here to support you. I'm here to support your staff, do what you got to do. You're the educators, you're the professionals, uh, you know, what's best for the kids. You know, we're, you know, we're really here to support, you know, the needs, what do you need? What can we do for you? And, uh, you know, and the best thing that, you know, during times like this is, is, you know, put the 24 hour, you know, we're on call, you know, let us know what you need. And, you know, um, if you need additional boots on the ground, we're here to support you. But otherwise, uh, we have the full trust and uh, uh, the superintendent and the, the, the staff and, you know, our teachers are just wonderful. I mean, and the superintendent just, you know, uh, you know, she talked about it, but, you know, these teachers have done amazing things and, um, in a, in a crisis situation that I know, you know, I could speak for the rest of the board and hopefully a, a lot of families that, you know, uh, we're very proud of them, you know, without a doubt. So there really wasn't much, if anything, that we had to do. This is why we have the team that we have. Now, are any of you involved? I mean, Jessica mentioned there's, I, I forget what, what the um, cadence was on the meetings, but there's there's meetings, I'm sure, at least weekly, and, and possibly meetings with the state. Is other is the school board even have a rep on those meetings? Yeah. Uh, well, the New Hampshire School Board Association uh, has uh, meetings, you know, um, constantly. There's updates, so you can just imagine uh, the association will send emails, uh, communications, and whatever means of updates of what's going on, uh, changes in the law expectations from the governor and the school board association that can assist us in making decisions from a board level. Um, and, you know, we'll, you know, we'll talk to the superintendent. Usually she's already on top of uh, all those things. So it's a kind of a additional learning opportunity for us, but it is, it, it is a responsibility of, you know, all the board members uh, to stay on top of those, the changing in the, uh, the rules, regulations, uh, uh, things that are available to the schools and the staff. But our weekly meetings, um, you know, they're administrative weekly meetings. And what I try to do is uh, when I'm, when there's enough information to update the board on, I'll send them a board memo, just like I did last week uh, with updates. Uh, we opened up Wi-Fi for the public over at the football field. Um, we had some updates on some uh you know, needs to restructure, we wanted to send them information. So I'll send a board memo that outlines some of those updates to keep them abreast of any changes that are, are going on. 
tip. To, those are some of the, you know, some of the things. But again, you know, from a right to no law from the school board, it's a kind of a tricky, you know, path because we can't get in a group setting uh, to have conversations yeah. and everything else. So those communications that the superintendent sends us to are very critical, you know, so. Yep. Uh, and that's where the partnership between her and I need to, to stay strong so we don't miss a beat on that. So. Yeah, no, it's the same on the town side, too. And I know typically in situation, and I don't know specifically right now, but in general, the chair of the Board of Selectmen might be more involved than other members of the board just to keep. Like you had, Jessica, you had mentioned that, that you had a meeting with the town leaders in early March and the, and the chairman was there. And incidentally, I, I, I recorded a podcast with John Shannon, who's the new town administrator. Yes, just yesterday. And um, he was very impressed. He mentioned that meeting. and He was very impressed that, um, that you know, because he hadn't yet gotten his brain in that mode yet. And, you know, when the phone rings and it's you saying, hey, you know, we got to start rattling this cage. You know, he, he was impressed that, that you did that. No, he's been great. Um, he's been a really, really wonderful partner, very accessible. Um, you know, I miss I miss Mark Bender. He was sort of the guy who, you know, integrated me into Milford. Uh, but John just jumped in seamlessly. And uh, he's been a great partner in this and has reached out when he's needed to. And so have I. So I've really enjoyed working with him so far. Yeah. And he, Mike, you think you jumped into the deep end of the pool? This guy runs the town now, and he he didn't even start until like the end of March. <laughs> oh no, end of February. But yeah, he really he really jumped in. Um, so uh, speaking of that, are you uh, either the board or or administration? Are you um, regularly in um, contact with the town? Is there any reason to be? From a board from a board level, no. Yeah. You know, we will. You know, there's times that you know I you know leave that to the superintendent. Uh, so there's not too many people, you know, going to the same person at the same time. So there's no reason for that. And the uh, superintendent has a great relationship, you know, with those people. And really that is the, uh, you know, the chain of command, so to speak, and, you know, how it should be worked. So if <clears throat> it's really not necessary um, for us to do that because we don't want to have two different communications out there. Now, Jessica, I would think there are some things that you, I mean, I saw on Facebook the other day, there was a big parade through town with, with all emergency services. So I'm sure at least you were in contact with them about, or, or somebody was, was it, was that you folks that did that, that uh, parade going through town? No, we didn't, we didn't organize it at the SAU level. Um, but um, I thought it was a great idea. A lot of communities across the nation now are doing these uh, parades uh, for the kids and it's been a huge hit. So I was really happy to see it. Yeah. Uh, so what, what's going on with the um, uh, the resource officer? Obviously, he's not coming to the, to the school. Is he still involved in any way? Uh, it's Rich Adnuzio, is that correct? Yes. Adnuzio, yep. Um, so is he involved? I mean, is he like reaching out to kids or anything? Yeah. So um, we still rely heavily, you know, on Mr. Adonisio. You know, there are a lot of things. It's funny. You would think because students aren't actually physically in the building, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that um, the need for the school resource officer or that type of supports for students or families uh, would, would you know, dissipate. But no, he's still very active. He's working closely with the high school principal and the high school administration, as well as the middle school administration, um, as well as with the police department. So it's still very much a collaboration. Um, and, and he's been a great support for us. Great. Great. All right, so I'm going to on, I'm ask a few questions just specifically about this remote learning. This is really for my benefit, and I think that 
there's probably a lot of people in town that don't have kids in school that really don't know what's going on right now. And just, you know, just very brief, you know, you don't have to get into much detail, but um, so is this being administered by the district or does every school have a different remote learning program? No. So this is definitely being administrated by the district. Um, and like I said, it's, it's been a real team effort. Uh, we have our weekly administrators meetings on Tuesdays. So generally Tuesday at 930, we start, we usually don't get off our Zoom call or our Google Hangout call until about 1.30. So our meetings have been going very, very long and they really fall under sort of the structure of the remote learning plan that I outlined a few minutes ago. You know, how do mm -hmm. we continue support and implementation? Uh, we've been working really hard on communication to families, both at the SAU level, at the building level, at the teacher level, um, just being really clear about expectations across the board. And, uh, you know, some of this, again, because it happens so quickly, uh, we've laid out, you know, preliminary plans, and then we've had to monitor and adjust uh, based on level too, because, you know, what works at the high school doesn't necessarily work at the elementary school and the level of readiness as well. Uh, when we rolled this out was different at each of the buildings. But what we did is we really tried to standardize and create some consistency as best we could, and then differentiated for each of the levels, hence why we had blizzard bags at the elementary schools versus remote online at the secondary level. So, so what exactly is a blizzard bag? I've seen pictures on Facebook of them <laughs> handing them out to, to, in, through car windows. Yeah, so um, a blizzard bag uh, actually came out of many years ago when you know people were trying to find creative ways of continuing school um, despite snow days. Uh, the blizzard bags are basically packets uh, filled with uh, student work and activities uh, that are aligned to the standards. We really decided that we were going to focus at the elementary level on literacy and math. I mean, there's so many different things that we could have done, um, but we wanted to make it meaningful. We wanted to make it manageable, um, and we wanted to be able to allow teachers to really focus because our elementary teachers teach everything, right? They teach ELA, math, science, social studies. Um, and we also wanted to create a well-rounded day for the students um, and really incorporate the arts, the music, the physical education. Uh, so blizzard bags were really uh, sort of um, our transition phase, and we've done two deployments of them to give us the time to, uh, first of all, give all the students at the elementary, we have a thousand plus elementary school students, and none of them had email addresses. So it was impossible for us within two and a half days to assign email addresses, train teachers on Google Classroom, get the online environment going, make sure that everyone had remote access uh, to the tools that they needed at their homes, Wi-Fi. That was just not tenable in the time frame that we had to roll it out. So we started with the blizzard bags uh, and went paper. We've done now two deployments of that, and now we're going to be transitioning into a hybrid online environment for elementary students, and that will launch uh, April 13th and 14th. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So it is, um, yeah, I understand that the elementary, the, the teachers teach everything, but like up at the high school, are you, are you trying to maintain the same schedule? Like if someone had biology at 10, they, they're still going to do biology at 10, or is it completely different? No, so they've really tried to uh, follow their A, B, C, and D blocks. Um, you know, where okay. teachers have some set times where students uh, are going to go to class and then they have a portion of that time for independent work. 
so all of those Google Classrooms were set up. I have to give major kudos. You know, not all teachers were using Google Classroom prior to this happening. And so what was really neat to see is that, you know, there were pioneers in our district for many years that had been using innovative tools. And it was those teachers who were training their colleagues um, those days before we actually, you know, went to remote learning. And that was really cool to see. And so we had put out a uh, Google form for the high school teachers to ask questions the week before this happened. So I was anticipating this coming because Massachusetts had already, uh, you know, closed schools in many of the districts. And so the teachers were, were like, well, what should we do now? And I was, and I kept writing in the Google Docs, start preparing now, start preparing now. And, um, and colleagues started training each other. And so they actually had a few extra days prior to those two days before we launched where they were getting introduced to Google Classroom. And what was so funny is so many of the teachers I heard while as I was walking around into the trainings, man, I wish I would have known this 10 years ago. Wow, I didn't know I could do this. This is so cool because it actually makes your life easier. Um, there's so much good about technology that can make things do go very, very quickly. Um, and so that was really neat to see those ahas uh, amongst the teachers during those training times. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and we were discussing it before we started recording, but you know, what could possibly change because of all this? And it kind of makes you wonder, um, have you given a lot of thought to that yet? Um, you know, are, are we going to be able to maybe keep some of this remote learning under certain circumstances? You know, maybe this is the new snow day paradigm or something like that. Yeah, it could be the new snow day paradigm. It could also be, you know, we've talked a lot about in this district, you know, I've heard as well as while I've been here, you know, you hear that word differentiation, personalization, and, you know, a lot of it is, you know, Unfortunately, across the country, a lot of it is just edu speak, right? Mm -hmm. But now this is forcing us and giving us the tools and the capacities to actually do those things, to truly differentiate, to truly personalize. Um, technology allows us the ability and capacities <laughs> to do that. So I think it, it does give teachers um, additional tools in their toolbox and expands their toolbox to be able to, to reach more learners at the level that they are, which is really exciting. Now, real quick, just for my benefit, uh, what what is Google Classroom? Is it just really Zoom for kids, you know, with like <laughs> other tools? Uh, you know, it's funny. So uh, Google Classroom allows teachers, and I'm not an expert in it, but Google Classroom allows teachers to create an online learning environment, right? So it takes the Google Suite uh, tools and Google Drive, and it kind of creates a place and a space for kids and teachers to be able to come together for teachers to organize all of the assignments and assessments. Um, and it's just sort of an online learning platform for a classroom. So teachers create a classroom, uh, they assign students to that classroom, and then students can go into that classroom, they can interact, they can get assignments, they can have chats, they can do Google Meet, which mm. is similar to Zoom um, in a Google Classroom. And so it's really the interface where they can make, organize, create assignments, assessments, um, and interact with students online. Oh, cool. Is this a, a free tool yeah. or are we paying Google? It's free yeah. right right now. No, it's free. Google, yeah. Google, the Google suite and Gmail is free. So um, it's always been a, a really cool aspect. And we've had it in the district a long time. And some teachers have used it, some teachers haven't. Um, but this has really forced um, all of us to really begin to explore not just this tool, but other ones really that have allowed us to, again, 
uh, the mantra that I've been uh, speaking for the last couple of years, increase you know, access for students, increase equity, and increase opportunities for innovation. So this has really uh, been able to push that mantra in a new and exciting way. But that's a good segue, actually, to the access stuff, because it, it, it also shines a much brighter light on it. What, do, what are you doing right now? You had mentioned before people without internet access or without... I, I, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know if they're homeless people in our district or not, but, but what, what are you doing for the people that truly can't do this? Right. Or maybe their parents just, they work and, and they, you know, they're elementary school kids and they just can't. Right. So um, what we, we did at the secondary level, we put out a technology survey to uh, gauge from parents, you know, do you have access to um, a Chromebook or laptop or um, some sort of technology to be able to access on the, an online learning environment. We asked them if they had access to Wi-Fi. We asked them uh, what type of technology support. So that survey, uh, we gauged there was probably about 94 to 95% of families did have what they needed in order to access an online learning environment at the secondary level. And so then we had families who didn't have that access to uh, email us, and then we deployed Chromebooks. So we started dismantling our Chromebook carts, and we have uh, lent out uh, Chromebooks to families, and we've also gotten Wi-Fi hotspots for families who have not been able to, who do not have access to Wi-Fi. And then just recently, we opened up the Wi-Fi at the football field. And so families and students, even if they just, and teachers, if they want to break, just sit out by the football field, they can access Wi-Fi out there uh, free of charge. And uh, so that was our first step. And then this past uh, week, when we started preparing for the move to a hybrid learning environment for elementary, we did the same technology survey for elementary families. And with the second deployment of Blizzard Bags, we also deployed Chromebooks uh, to begin yeah. preparation. So families who didn't have access to technology, uh, we deployed those Chromebooks to them. Uh, we did that at the middle level and uh, as well as at the elementary level this past week. And so now, the next week is preparation and training for teachers, and then we're going to be training students uh, April 13th and 14th on the Google Classroom and environment. And uh, the elementary principals have sent out uh, Google video training uh, to the parents as well so that they can get online and look and see how they can support their students. Oh, that's great. So, so is 100% of the students uh, being covered? No, um, you know, there are some families that have, you know, their personal choice is that they just don't want technology in their homes. Um, mm -hmm. That's that's their choice. Uh, so, you know, as I said to uh, the leadership team and, and I shared with the association as well, you know, blizzard bags aren't going to go away completely uh, because, again, it's an equity and access issue. Um, so we are going to differentiate uh, for families based on need. And in some cases, like there's parts of Mason that it doesn't matter if you have a hotspot, a Wi-Fi hotspot. Um, they're simply not going to get the access at the speed that they need. Uh, so we have to make adjustments for those students. So, so um, Mike, I'm going to bring this back to you because I know this was uh, on the your agenda last night and I, I stopped watching before you got to it, so I don't know. Well, thanks. That's what every host wants to hear. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> hey, I was there for an hour and a half, and I have no kids in the school district, right? So I, I was there purely for civic civic pride. Um, uh, what are you doing about grade? Uh, Jessica mentioned about uh, grading, and um, and you were going to discuss last night how how the board wants to move forward with grading this year. Yeah. Um, was, a, was a decision made? No, a decision has not been made. Um 
team is going to take it back to get input from all parties, um, you know, to provide input back to the board. You know, <clears throat> quite honestly, you know, you know, you know, within you know the contracts and everything else, it you know it does state that the school board, you know, you know makes the final decision. But you know, again, uh, you know, we're not the teachers, you know, and you know, quite honestly. You know, that's something that, you know, uh, when superintendent comes back, you know, with the recommendations that have been made, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> usually, you know, without a doubt, I know that I would be supporting, you know, those decisions because, uh, you know, I'm just, a, you know, even though I'm a chair on this side and a board member, I'm also a parent and, you know, and I trust, uh, you know, the team to come up with uh, uh, some great decisions. So, um that, that's actually a great a great uh, point. So, I mean, obviously you want to you want to deal fairly with the unions because they're a great resource. Is there a do they have a legal say in any of this? Is it is there any language in the contracts that say, you know, you can't do remote learning no. without our permission? None. No. no. Okay. No. And I think to the board chairman, um, his point. You know, there there is certain language that states that um, you know it is the board's final decision, like the calendar for the school year. Um, but it does say that they will consult um, and seek input from you know the association, which I think is just good practice. But at the end of Absolutely. the day, it is the board's decision. Um, and but you know, there's a fine line, and I I, I know that I've shared this with Mr. Hannon. Uh, you, you, you can't rule by survey and you can't administer, you know, with, there can't be so many cooks in the kitchen that nothing gets accomplished or, you know, it becomes uh, a very uh, watery soup. So, you know, there's just a fine line that we have to be careful about. I agree. Uh, so Mike, are you getting, what, what kind of feedback are you getting from teachers and or parents? Uh, well, as a parent, you know, as a parent, you know, first, um, you know, because obviously I, you know, well, not lately, you don't see too many people out in town, but, uh, you know, we're using, uh, you know, the, the means of social media and things like that and uh, phone calls, but great feedback, you know, uh, uh, as far as, you know, what the administrative team and uh, the teachers are doing as far as, you uh, uh, you know, the remote learning goes, I mean, I think everybody is pleasantly surprised, but, you know, don't, you know, you know, we, we can't underscore the fact that there is a lot of frustration out there, you know, as you can imagine, because <clears throat> there are a lot of uh, parents that, you know, the balancing act, I mean, this is another job, you know, for them quite honestly, uh, to come back to and, you know, make sure their, their, their kids are getting up on time and getting to that, uh, general practice of staying in a normal routine that uh, the superintendent had mentioned before. These, these are things I struggle with, you know, as a parent, I have, uh, you know, a, a senior this year and a sixth grader. So, um, you know, luckily they love their school and they love their teachers. And, uh, but again, it's, you know, the, the kids still miss going into the schools, having the, you know, the teachers instruct them, uh, you know, there are some teachers that really the demonstration of it all uh, is, is is critical to them. So, um, you know, so there's a lot of difficulties, but, you know, again, you know, the, the comments and the feedback from the parents and, uh, you know, uh, other teachers is just what a wonderful job it, they're, that they're doing because, 
you know, they're still, you know, they're still learning. They're still educating. They're still, you know, paying attention and, uh, the access to the teachers, if they have questions, uh, concerns or opportunities, uh, they're very accessible, you know, uh, during a normal business school day business time. And I also know that the teachers, cause my wife's a teacher in the house, you know, they're working above and beyond, uh, the normal hours. So, uh, um, you know, again, I can't, you know, I can't say give enough kudos to everybody, including, you know, our parents out there and our students for doing such a wonderful job. Super. So let's just quickly, before we end up, uh, talk about what's going to happen going forward to the extent that you guys even know. And, and you, well, I'm guessing you probably wouldn't want to say what you're thinking yet i don't know but i'll but i'll throw it in anyway personally i i can't imagine you're going back to school on may 4th it just it seems unlikely to me i mean i last i heard is we're not expecting the the peak till the end of april of this thing so um what what what's the worst case planning are, are you are you at least planning to stay out the whole time i i always i always plan for the worst and hope for the best um, I think it's it's really created um, it's it's what has made I think this successful, and uh, has just for some reason it's been serendipitous. We've really just planned very very well um, for each scenario and have been able just to monitor and adjust very very quickly. So that's been really good. Um, I I I hesitate to say exactly what's going to happen. I I don't anticipate going back um, into the buildings. Uh, when you think about when the apex is going to hit in New Hampshire um, and the two weeks following that need to happen for quarantine, again, we're just about two weeks behind Massachusetts uh, and I'm watching it here. And so many states are already calling school for the rest of the year. It is going to be a local decision. And I did kind of say to the board last night, we do need to start making some clear decisions. April break is upon us. We need to make a decision about whether we're going to continue learning through April break. Um, and when we might want to uh, end the school year. Just this morning, first call I made uh, very, very early at the crack of dawn was to my executive assistant. And I said, I need you to start calculating the hours um, that we've already attended school uh, through the end of the year so that I can say to the board, this, this can be the end date for us to meet the requirements for the Department of Education. So I, I just received those hours. I'm going to go in through them and calculate them so that I can make a recommendation and say, here's the very day, last day of school that we need to attend in order to meet our requirements. Um, so we'll have that Monday night. But um, yeah, I, I just think now it's about how do we best support teachers, students, and families uh, through this process for the rest of the year. Um, I think that's what we're looking at. And, and do it successfully. Like, I don't want it to just be um, sort of what everyone else is doing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've, I've talked to my assistant superintendent about this. You know, there's a lot of leaders uh, across the country that have just said, you know, this year is what it is, you know? Um, but I don't believe that. Like, I feel like we can continue to introduce new learning to students. We can continue to uh, close gaps. We can continue to uh, make sure that it's, it's quality, authentic learning that's happening and, and good teaching uh, and really prepare students for success for the following year. And so I want it to be quality. I just don't want to fill time. Uh, and I know that families want that as well. So 
You mentioned that it was a local decision, um, but if, I got to believe if the governor says you're, you're closed, you're closed. Of course. Is that true? Of course, okay. yes. But if the governor says, you know, all right, we're going to open uh, mid-May, you know, we can still say, you know what, we're going to continue our remote learning through the end of school. Uh, we don't want to have another second disruption because the reality is, is that if we do uh, bring everyone back to school mid-May, that's going to be like starting the entire year over again, right? The whole next couple of weeks are going to be setting up routines and classrooms and structures and, you know, especially getting the little ones back into a routine um, at the beginning of the year is, is a lot of work. It takes a good four weeks. And so then two weeks later, you're out of school. So there's really a lot of things I think the board needs to weigh uh, in this decision. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I, I agree. Um what about graduation? Have you have you given it a lot of thought? Yeah, we talked about it last night. Um, and oh. uh, I was watching Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about it last night. You know, the the principal. I think this basic idea I got from her, and we had talked about this before, is that you know it's too early to make a determination right now um, about graduation. Uh, what we do know one hundred percent sure is that graduation will happen. There is going to be a graduation. We are going to ensure that that's um, uh, it's a special rite of passage. It's a special time for students and families. That will happen. We just don't know exactly when. It may happen when it was meant to happen. It may happen at a later date, but we are going to hold a graduation for the class of 2020. Oh, that's great. And, and I'll, I'll throw out my just personal nobody man on the street opinion on that. I, I would, of course, it all depends on the timing. But I would love to see high school graduation be, you know, the coming out party for Milford, the whole community. You know, like, let's say it's even if it's September 1st, you know, or late August or something like that. You know, that may be the first time that everybody emerges from their homes and comes out and and it it should be a big party. I mean, have, have have a parade coming up West Street, you know, have the processional, you know, walk up the street and have the have the kids, the other kids that aren't graduating you know, walking them back or something. I think it's a great opportunity for our community I th- I, coming out. I think that's a great idea. And coming from a, uh, uh, you know, family that has a, you know, senior uh, in the home and, uh, you know, what he's missing, uh, you know, for his senior year, because, you know, a lot of these kids just tears to what you're saying to him, you know, this is the buildup. This is, uh, you know, something that they're going to remember and uh, I think it's such a wonderful idea that you just said, you know, um, you know, something we can do for them to uh, really, sh- you know, shine, you know, because this, you know, this is, it, it, it's their coming out, you know, they'll be, you know, a lot of, for a yeah. lot of them, they'll be going on to, you know, new higher level of education, careers, um, you know, technical schools or what have you. And what, you know, the, you know, Milford school system set them up for success with that, with the families. I think that's a wonderful idea. I got chills when you were saying it, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you forget like what what it's like. I mean, even the kids may not realize the significance of their graduation, but they will five, ten years from now. And yeah, you know, I know, you know, my son just misses his teachers right now, just like you know a lot of students, and you know, being there and spending time with his uh, friends and celebrating through the. It's not just a one day thing, right? You know, you remember your senior year. You know, that was a couple of years ago for you, Tim, and. Uh, uh, you know, I think we all remember our senior year, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was more than a couple of years ago, but that's 
that. All right, great. So we're getting close to the end here. Do, uh, is there anything that either of the two of you want to talk about that we haven't said? Well, Jessica, go first. No, I just want to say, you know, thank you to the Milford community. I mean, everyone has been patient and understanding and flexible. Um, you know, we, we have had to make uh, some shifts and changes and, and everyone has been uh, really wonderful about it. And, um, you know, that adaptability has just made our jobs in a very, very difficult time uh, a lot easier. And it's just been really great to see the community come together in a way that um, we hadn't seen uh, prior to that. So um, I just am very grateful and thankful to everyone uh, for just the team effort. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, again, the bright spots that come out of this. Um, I'm, I'm always looking at the glass half full and uh, I already see a lot of great things. And so I wanna continue to celebrate that uh, as, as a team and as a community. Yeah, and, I, and I'd echo to, you know, that, the, you know, that statement. It is, uh, uh, you know, the, the town of Milford has definitely shined, you know, during this time. They've been really supportive, I know, to the school board and to the, uh, you know, new team members on the school board, you know, and, you know, we truly do appreciate it. You know, we're, we're going to stumble along the way, but, uh, you know, the communication piece as far as, you know, the feedback that we've been receiving, uh, you know, regardless of positive or, you know, things that we could be doing better, you know, keep those things going. Cause that is the spirit, you know, of Milford, you know, to open up those communication lines and, you know, for everybody to remember just those little things that we do as a community uh, and that you, we've all seen and Tim, you've seen it firsthand, you know, makes such a great difference, you know, and you just don't know everybody's going through different levels of, um, you know, joy, happiness, and, you know, behaviors, frustration, and we need to support each other and continue to support each other. And, you know, that's why I love this community because anytime you, you know, you can feel down, there's always someone, you know, regardless of social media or not, just brings you, you know, back up. And, uh, and that, that is uh, our community. And I would just, you know, we'd love to see that continue because, you know, we, you know, as Superintendent was saying, you know, it's not over yet. And uh, anytime we can bring a little piece of joy and make something easier for everybody, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's where we step up. Great. Great. Thank you very much. Appreciate all that. Okay, then. So um, we'll wrap it up here. Mike, uh, thanks again for everything. And good luck on your first year of school board chair. Oh, thank sure you very much. <laughs> and uh, and uh, good luck to both of you. This is going to be uh, quite the challenging year, I'm sure. But if the, uh, if, your current success is any indicator. I think things are going to go well. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you, Tim. I also want to thank Chris Gentry, our GTM media manager. Chris has been our remote audio engineer for this episode. Our theme music was written and performed by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or most major podcasting apps. You can also stream directly from Granitown Media's podcast page at milford.nh.gov slash community media. As always, we welcome any and all feedback or suggestions you may have for future episodes. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us again for another episode of Inside Milford.